Online hotel booking services are meant to make life quicker and easier. But what happens when they're actually stacked with misleading or deceptive conduct? Welcome to episode four of Keeping Up with the Consumer Law. My name's Joel Greger. Joining me today is my co-host, Joel Lisk. G'day. G'day, indeed. Uh, shout out to the Law Foundation of SA for financially supporting season one of the show. Uh, go to our socials if you haven't already. Uh, please do so. We, we need friends. Liz, what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about hotels and hotel bookings. You know, something we're probably all relatively familiar with before COVID. Yeah, now that we're allowed to travel again, uh, hotel booking time. Cool, cool. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about one of probably the the biggest hotel booking cases in recent times involving misleading and deceptive conduct. Um, it ran for, for a really long time, but, you know, who is that again? We're talking about Trivago. Who's Trivago, Lisk? Well, I think it's probably good for them to explain what Trivago is. So just, you know, hold on to your seats. Here we go. You're searching heaps of websites looking for the best hotel deal. Stop doing that to yourself. Let Trivago do it for you. Trivago compares prices from hundreds of websites and apps at the same time. It's that simple. Hotel, Trivago. Oh, it is that simple. Stop doing that to yourself, Lisk. What should you be doing instead? Well, hotels. Trivago. Trivago. So I think, what was wrong with Trivago? Let's let us know. Well, let me just talk a bit more about what Trivago actually is. Please. So the, the, the ad, yeah, it's an ad. So what is Trivago? Trivago is actually um, a Netherlands-based company that operates as part of a larger group of probably what we're more familiar with. So it's part of the Expedia group. So it's really big in this space of hotel bookings and, and holiday booking services. So Hotel bookings, I think we're all familiar with going on to, you know, Google, searching for where we want to travel to, finding a hotel and then having that horrible process of going, okay, that's what booking.com's price is. That's what the hotel's price is. That's, you know, um, Travelpedia or something. Look, you spend a lot more time researching this stuff than I do. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep guessing. I'll take your call on this one. (laughs) But what Trivago um, aims to do is it actually aims to be a, a hotel booking aggregator site. So you don't actually book a hotel with Trivago. Yeah, gotcha. So what Trivago does is it works with, in the back end, with a few algorithms, and we'll get into that in a bit of detail. So it actually works with hotel booking websites so that might be booking.com hotel.com the actual hotel itself to kind of bring together the different prices and the different deals that are available on the single website so it'll list a hotel it'll provide and then it'll provide a price and a whole bunch of different options to book with individual hotels and do they only have a few hotel booking systems in their system so they kind of go out to market. There is hundreds of different booking services online. So it actually aggregates lots of them together. And they've got commercial relationships with dozens and dozens of different booking sites, um, including the hotels themselves. So it's a, it's a way of kind of bringing everything together to one point. Um, of course, it doesn't include every single website that exists to book a hotel, but a really large majority of them will be there all together on the one website. Yeah, so it's a good collective of them in in that one place. And that's probably, I guess, what's drawing consumers to that to begin with. So why are we talking about it today? So Trivago was involved in quite a bit, I think is a bit of an understatement, um, of litigation with the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission um, for a period that started in 2018 and kind of meandered its way a bit longer um, all the way through to April 2022. So overall, about 44 months I worked out, so about three and a half years of litigation. So why were they being litigated? Well, 
the ACCC in 2018 actually alleged that a range of conduct and representations on the website and in their marketing material um, broadly between December 2016 and September 2018 um, included allegations that Travago engaged in misleading or deceptive conduct in contraventions of sections 18, so that old school misleading and deceptive conduct. That's that one we've been talking about quite regularly, isn't it? Yeah, the one that popped up with the, in the previous episodes with Uber and uh, Lorna Jane, but also section 291I, so that's uh, false or misleading representations about the prices of goods or services. As well as a new one we haven't dealt with yet, which is section 34. So that's conduct likely to mislead about the nature, characteristics, suitability for purpose, or the quantity of a service. That difference between product and service, what one was it here? So we're talking about services in this case, because as you would know, hotels, they're not really giving you a good, you're booking a service through them. And in the case of Travago, where they're not actually you know you don't actually you don't stay with Travago do you no and you don't actually give Travago your money you Travago is a portal that you then click through to get to the actual booking website so the service they're giving you is the aggregation of hotels which is even further when you think it's the aggregation of the booking services of the hotel yes so it's not hotel booking it's hotel booking aggregation services so it's really just the middleman between you and the hotel websites so there's a bit going on there So we're covering some of the similar uh, provisions as we have in the previous episodes, but this one's quite different in the way that it proceeded, isn't it? Yeah. So in the previous episodes, when we talked about Uber and Lorna Jane, both of those proceedings were um, done through admissions. So both um, defendants or um, respondents in those instances actually admitted certain conduct. They said we did the wrong thing. And we explained that process more in those episodes. Yeah, whereas Travago, um, and kind of explained by the fact that the litigation went for a lot longer, didn't actually admit they did the wrong thing with a lot of this conduct. So it's a contentious proceeding. They actually went to court and they argued with the ACCC before a judge um, about what actually happened. And does that mean that they didn't accept any of the statements that the ACCC were making? No, so they did admit a couple of contraventions of uh, different laws, but they did it with quite specific conduct in specific time periods. So this case turned out to be incredibly complicated. It started in the federal court, so that's before one single judge, um, and that judge found against Trivago in early 2020. And then Trivago appealed that decision. So they then went before three judges in the full court of the federal court um, and ended up losing in that instance as well in um, November of 2020. So there was a lot being argued and a lot of technical legal detail really mixed with the facts here. So was something misleading? What the actual representation meant? Kind of what the impression a consumer could take out of it. So there was a lot going on. And that result that they uh, ended up within the uh, appeal court, we refer to that as it, the appeal was dismissed. Essentially just means the party that brought that appeal they didn't get it. So you get out of here, kind of. Get out of here, get packing. And after they that appeal was dismissed, after they were kicked out of the full court of the federal court, it was actually sent back to the federal court. Back to court again. So more court work. Um, and in, it actually ended in April 2022. And what was that second return to the federal court uh, in that first instance capacity? What, what was that for? So it's a bit of procedural content. So in the first instance before the federal court, they dealt with the facts and the liability at law. So what was the conduct and did they breach the law? What they didn't talk about was what the penalty would be. So when they lost in the first instance with the, before the single judge and they appealed to the full court with the three, they were only arguing over whether they breached the law. They didn't talk about penalties because the penalty hadn't been decided yet. 
So then when it was kicked back down to the single judge, that's when the decision on penalties was finally made in April 2022. So overall, there's about three and a half years worth of litigation going on there. Yeah, it's a fair bit of time uh, wrapped up in court proceedings, isn't it? Well, it's great for the lawyers involved because at that level, there is a lot of money in fees being spent. But when you're dealing with, and we'll get into it in a moment, when you're dealing with a lot of different conduct, um, it becomes very hard. And so it's a really long and procedural matter to deal with. Yeah, fantastic. So we've done a bit of scene setting there. What is it that Travago actually did wrong here? Why did they find themselves in this three and a half years of litigation? So I think I've said um, a little bit is this was a bit of a complex matter. It it was. I've uh, I've skimmed it and I'm very glad that you uh, pulled short straw on this one to break it down. We were going to record this one a little while ago, but Lisk had to rearrange everything to make it as simple as possible. Uh, I'm glad that was your task. Yeah, I think it's fair to say I, I, I might have bit off more than I could chew. Um, the first time I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, I, I looked at Travago before. I looked at it back in 2020 when it first came out. Um, and there must have been a bit of a brain fade in there because I forgot how long it was. Well, you probably weren't looking at it thinking, how am I going to distill this down to a 15-minute uh, explanation for a non-legal audience? Yeah, so I think overall, I'm just flicking through the pages right now. There's about you know 700 paragraphs of court judgment on this case alone. Um, and what does that look like? It looks like half a tree. So so you've done the hard work for us, Lisk. Rather than going through 700 paragraphs, because uh, that would be a very boring podcast, how can you chunk this down into a digestible format? Which I'm more than happy to do. I can, I can read out the podcast. I can read out the judgment line by line, but I don't think... It might think, be a bonus episode. Well, that could be our, um, our how to get to sleep episode. So I'm just very in, in very calm tones going... Maybe that's how we fund season two. It can be Lisk reading that litigation. It's like paragraph one. Um, but no, so what, what's actually happened here is we're talking about five main areas of conduct that the ACCC alleged involved misleading or deceptive conduct here. So we have what's called the cheapest price representation, the top price representation, strike-through representations, red price representations, and what's also called additional conduct. So for a bit of background on how the website actually operates, you'll type in where you want to go or maybe a particular hotel and the dates you want to travel. And so once you do that, the website will spit out to you if you're looking for a destination, it'll give you a list of hotels. Um, Each hotel will have like an individual price next to it and a reference to a booking site. And it might also have other um, references to other booking sites and other prices. Sometimes um, if you're looking for a a particular location, it will give you a list of different hotels and each hotel will have different prices because it links to different booking websites. At the same time, you normally also get a map that'll include a bunch of prices and pinpoints of where your different hotels actually are in your destination. So at this point, uh, you're being presented with a fair bit of information, aren't you? You are. It's essentially like going into a, a new version of Google. Actually, it's like going to Google Maps, actually. You just type in hotels in this area and it gives you something like that. But instead, you're also getting pricing information for different um, hotels and different booking sites. And would it be fair enough to think that there's a, uh, a basis as to how that's being presented to you? There is. So underlying all that search results is an algorithm that Travago developed to produce those search results. So that, that would, of course, consider where you're going, the times you're going, and then it will actually poll with the different booking websites to work out um, if there's room availability, what the price is, what the package details are, and that'll kind of bring it all together um, to give you your list of hotels. And when looking at that list, do you think there's a uh, inference that a consumer would take away on that ranking? And so this is where some of the HRC's allegations come in. So the conduct around the cheapest price and the top 
position representations was that the website gives you the impression that the first result you're getting and the top result is the cheapest price and the best hotel. Well, I mean, that makes sense. And that's what you get with a search result. You know, when you Google something, there's the expectation that the first result you're going to get is the best one for you. Which in itself is a different case that's become before the court. That's very different. Um, We won't get into that now. Um, But there's a lot that comes into what a person would expect to do here. So the top representation, though, and the the first price that Tarago's website would show you for a particular hotel turned out that it wasn't actually always the best option for the consumer. Yeah, right. And and why might that be? So when we look at what's called um, the cheapest price representation, the ACCC alleged that the price that the first price you see next to a hotel um, wasn't always the cheapest price available for that hotel. Yeah, right. So this isn't even necessarily the ranking that it's been spat out, but just the information that you first see in for that listing. Correct. So what it turned out is that in about sixty six point eight percent of instances. The first price you saw was not always the cheapest price available for that particular hotel. And that comes down to a bit of how the algorithm works. So it is comparing things like what the hotel is, what the different booking sites packages include, but the underlying and what was found to be a significant factor was actually the commissions that Travago received from the hotel booking websites. And that factored quite heavily into the um, the order of the different pricing and what what pricing was given priority. Yeah, okay. So cheapest price for the consumer versus most commission for the aggregator. Yeah. Conflicting interests a little bit there, isn't there? A little bit, but it's important to remember what Travago actually does, of course. They're not the the people you book the hotel through. They're actually just bringing the different booking websites together. So they need to make money somehow. And what they do is they make money by hotel booking websites having standing bids. So when you search for a term, it'll come up with um, different hotels and the hotel booking sites are actually bidding into Travago's algorithm to um, to have their, their search results listed on that page. So what actually happens is that sometimes there was a lower cutoff to those bids. So some hotel booking websites might have a really cheap price that's great for the consumer but their bid number is actually below the minimum minimum search result. So their search won't even appear on the website. They're not paying Travago enough, so you don't get the savings. So you just don't even see their, their outcome. You don't know it exists. And so that then feeds into what the other conduct was, which was the top position. And it's the idea that the first position on the search results was actually the best hotel in your location for the cheapest price overall, which was not always the case. And were there any other issues that this uh, top position led to? Yeah, so this is where we came in. It mixes a bit with the cheapest price representation and this idea that the Travago page, it's hard to describe um, in words. There's pictures in all the court judgments, which is always nice, but it will have... And we'll link to those in the show notes, won't we? Of course. Um, and might even throw a few on the blog page if you head to our website. Lovely. So there's a bit there, but the, the little excerpt, the card that you'll get when you search for a hotel will have the first price it gives you, but then a little button that says more deals. And sometimes you have to click through to that to see more detail. And what you'll actually find is under that are cheaper prices. So the first price you're seeing for one particular hotel is not even the cheapest price for that hotel. So there's a lot that's going on there and how this algorithm spits out information. And what the focus of the courts were in this case is, was actually what's the impression that a reasonable person would take from this website? Yeah, and, and what is that impression? If you're looking at a list and you've got one price on top and one price showing, 
you expect the first price you see to be the cheapest price. And the court actually even made reference to search engines. They said, you expect the first result to be the most suitable for you. Trivago is essentially a search engine for hotel booking prices. Would you not expect the first one to be the best? And this is when a little bit more detail comes into it, is that Trivago actually had a disclaimer on its website. How easy was that one to find? So you actually had to hover over the right term at the right moment or the right little info um, button to see it. But it essentially actually said that Trivago gives you the chance to look at different websites and different booking websites and compare. But in some cases, the lowest price might be available elsewhere. So it recognizes that there's that that lower threshold for the cutoff of the bids. So some websites might just not appear. Well, I guess it... it, it feels like it maybe covers the base. It doesn't explicitly tell you we cut off at a certain point when we're not going to get paid. Exactly. And it kind of went a bit further in the sense that in determining the prices, it looks at different factors, including the level of compensation that the booking websites provide to Trivago. Again, not quite as blunt as the less we're paid, the less you'll see. And it's kind of hard then in that sense to go, we have big green price going, here's hotel for this big green price. And, you know, there's some fine print that says, oh, let's find this big green price might not actually be the cheapest one available. You have to click here to see other offers and there might be a cheaper one under that. So it's when we start to go, well, is the disclaimer doing enough work? And I think in this instance, the court actually said that no, in both cases, these, the cheapest price representation and the top position representations together were creating this impression that the Trivago search results were targeted at the consumer that they're there to give the consumer the best available information, the easiest and the quickest way. And that wasn't always the case. Cool. So these ranking results, they've uh, shown you these comparisons of rooms. Were they the exact same room? I mean, I would kind of feel that might be the case. Surprisingly, in not all cases, were they comparing the exact same room? Oh, shock horror. Shock horror, Lisk. And I think that's a brilliant way of segueing into some of the other conduct they also were um, alleged and found to have engaged in, which was two groups of things called, one was strike-through representations and the other was red price representations. Now, this is something you spent a lot of time in practice uh, dealing with, isn't it? I can see you light up with joy here, strike-through. You love a good strike-through. Hit me with a list. What's strike-through mean? I like a good strike-through price. Um, and yes, I've told it a bit. So strike-through pricing and the idea of red pricing, they're very related. So the idea is that strike-through pricing is you have a was price and a now price and that your was price is struck through um, pretty much as the name suggests. You have a price with a line through it going, this is what you would have paid and this is what you're now paying with a new prominent price. And the same thing was happening with what was called the red price um, representation in the sense that it wasn't crossed out but it was in red going, you know, this is the most expensive price. Um, And I think strike through pricing and kind of savings representations, we see them all the time. You go to any shop um, during clearance sales or just sales in general, and you see the use of this was now, um, you know, expensive price, cheaper price representations anywhere, because what it does is it really easily and simply tells you or I um, that we're saving a certain amount of money. Now, while it's a relatively simple device to use, it's an absolute minefield from a legal perspective. So, I mean, that seems relatively simple enough, Lisk. How can it go wrong? So, in this case, or in, in the Trivago case, and it actually appears every now and then when we look at um, different consumer law cases, is that was uh, the strike-through pricing was found to be, and I think I'll just read it again, was it like an implied um, 
representation that you are saving a certain amount of money. And also you are like heavily paraphrasing and compressing here, aren't you? Oh, definitely. And that there's this idea that the cheaper, the more expensive price being struck out and the cheaper price are fair comparisons with each other. So in this case, we're not, not it's not like you're going to the shop and you're seeing was now pricing. In this case, what you were actually having was a, a higher price from one booking website crossed out with a reference to another booking website's cheaper price. Yep. So very different to uh, the same package of cereal saying it was this last week, it is this this week in this store, same exact product of cereal. It's not was $3, now $2.50, saving of 50 cents. You haven't bought cereal in a while, have you? No, I haven't. I'm not really a big cereal person. Is it more expensive than that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I just feel like I've done the, um, what's the price of milk? Gotcha question. Yeah, how much bread have you got? Uh, I don't think either of us have ever become a politician, so that's one we can avoid. Um, but anyway, you've got this this price comparison and the, the biggest thing to watch out for here and what the problem actually was, was that the strikethroughs on Trivago's website, now they're not there anymore. This is conduct they've fixed, but the strikethroughs were not always like for like comparisons. So sometimes the price that was crossed out was for a hotel room that might have actually had different inclusions, or in some cases was an entirely different class of hotel room than what the green big price was. I mean, that kind of just feels like disaster in big red writing, doesn't it? It, it, it does. And the Travago used a qualification or a disclaimer on this one in an attempt to you know, clarify what was going on. How much did you have to hover before you saw that one? A little bit. Um, and what they were saying was that the strikethrough price, and this is a quote, the strikethrough price corresponds to the cheapest offer we received from the most expensive booking site on Trivago for this hotel and your stay dates. Now, it's not an overly clear disclaimer. Yeah, there's a fair bit of discrepancy still there, isn't there? But what it's essentially saying is, you, so you've got hotel booking site A has a price of $500 a night. Hotel booking site B has a price of $300 a night. The most expensive booking site and its cheapest price. So you've got 500 against 300. The 500 will be struck out. I'm following so far. Fantastic. I'm just watching your eyes glaze over. Like, ah, mm. uh, you start getting into math and hand directions there, and yeah, I glazed over. List all that. So we've got 500 versus, I think I said 300. Um, but what turned out was that the 500 price might have actually related to a suite when you're actually looking at a as a double bedroom for the $300 price. So they're not actually like for like comparisons. I can see how this led to trouble. Yeah. So not ideal. And then the other instance with the red price um, representations was essentially the same conduct, but without the strike through. You would have had uh, booking website was 500, but in red, red smaller text and, you know, hotel A, or it's hotel booking site A and $300 a night here. And they just weren't a like for like comparison. Yeah. So choice of colors and uh, font size and whatnot can really get you in trouble. And so this is kind of we'll come to it in a minute, but it's kind of the big takeaway from this one is it's about how you're bringing stuff to the consumer's attention and what they might think. Yeah, it's that representation that your method of delivery leaves. Yeah, and then that leaves with what we call the um, the additional conduct representation. So it was a bit of a catch-all at the end, but essentially the ACCC alleged that Travago was creating this impression that it was an impartial, objective, and transparent price comparison tool that would enable consumers to quickly and easily identify the cheapest available offer for a particular room. Did it do that? The court was a bit on the edge of this one. So it said 
it couldn't find that they engaged in misleading conduct for the entirety of the time subject to the proceeding, but it did for a little bit. That it was part of what was what formed the larger conduct, uh, content of their marketing regime, and that for a bit of that time they did create this impression and they were trying to convey this impression, and that given the context of the conduct that came before it, so that top price, the cheapest price, the strike through, and the red price, that it actually wasn't happening at all, and that it was actually misleading customers as to about what the role that Trago actually played was. And if you maybe didn't do it for a lot of the time and only did it for a little bit of the time, is that still enough time? It's still enough time. It's still enough time. I think as we learned from Lorna Jane, 14 days is enough, isn't it? Or 10 days? Uh, 14 days, yeah. Yep. Mm. So I think that kind of then leads us into, you know, why am I talking about this case? Yes, Lisk, why are you talking about this case? I'm, I'm sorry I put you to sleep a little bit with strike-through pricing, but... Uh, that's okay, Lisk. I... I uh, it's okay. I'm waking up now. I'm waking up again. Why are we talking about this one? You just downed a Red Bull. We're, we're there. I've just smashed another Red Bull. We are good. I can make it through straight-through pricing. I don't get quite as excited as straight-through pricing as Lisk does. Oh, for me, this is where we. This is where the uh, the rubber of the ACL hits the road of consumers. This is the nitty-gritty for you. This is where it lives. This is... <laughs> It's what gets you going in the morning. And I've just made a roadkill analogy. Um, so, what this case actually... I feel like roadkill is uh, yeah, maybe a good description for this. Go for it. So, what this case is doing is it's really emphasizing the importance of design um, and the importance of structure when it comes to looking at how you convey concepts to consumers. So, we talk about ads all the time. We talk about um, product descriptions and product packaging. All these things together create impressions. And when you're presenting it to a consumer, you need to make sure that these impressions and the things, the messages you can take away from those impressions are actually accurate. So in this case, we were presented with search results, which create the impression that the first result is the cheapest price available and the best suited to your circumstances. We talked about strike through and red pricing, where you create the impression that you're saving money when in fact you weren't. And so it was really actually about being careful in how you design content and how you present content to consumers. Yeah, and if that care is not given, it can be a very uh, heavy and expensive penalty, can't it? I don't think we've actually given the figure yet, have we? No. What is it, Lisk? In this case, this is a is a very sizable penalty um, of $44 million. Oh, yeah, that is expensive. That is... I know we talked about an expensive advertising campaign in Lorna Jane and even with Uber and I think it's about 18, like this is the next level up. Um, and it kind of is reflected of the fact that it was inbuilt into the website. It yeah, took this, place over a really long amount of time as well. This wasn't an, un, an unknown algorithm issue, was it? This was something a bit more thought no. through. But of course, it does come back to algorithms a little bit as well. Um, and the algorithm here played an important role in the operation of that algorithm actually um, formed part of creating impressions for consumers. So this case is is a nice, not simple, but a nice uh, encapsulation of a lot of different concepts around marketing structure and creating of impressions. Yeah, and I like that point that, again, it brings it back to the algorithm and particularly as a lot of business representation is going to be more and more based on algorithm choices. It's just, again, a nice reminder to say, stop, wait, what are you saying? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Well, I don't think I have anything more to say about this case because if I do, we're going to start getting into the really nitty-gritty detail. And I will fall asleep again. Please don't. Go get through more of that Red Bull.
Oh, that is episode four of Keeping Up With The Consumer Law, looking at ACCC and Trivago. Is, is that how it was phrased, ACCC and Trivago? So it's ACCC and Trivago NV because we're dealing with a company that's actually in the Netherlands. So it's not PTYLTD or Limited. It's, it's something a bit more exotic. Yeah, I seem to recall the case name is slightly different than what we're used to seeing. Cool. Well, that's got us covered for episode four. Hope you enjoyed it. A uh, bit of strike through. List got his enjoyment there, so that's lovely. Oh, and if this episode has left you with any questions about your rights or obligations under the ACL, uh, we recommend seeking legal advice. Go and get a professional opinion. You can find some options on our website. Thanks again to the Law Foundation of SA for making this season possible. Uh, again, if you haven't already done so, we would love for you to come and have a look at our socials. We are on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Bingo. What? Bingo. Bingo. We are not on TikTok, but Lisk has got the dancers ready to go for when that happens. Be afraid. Be afraid. Uh, Join us next fortnight for something mysterious, which means I am yet to pick which case I'm reading. We'll get there. Yeah, I've got... You've got a fortnight? I've got 13 days to work it out. Mm. Cool. Uh, Lisk, that's all I've got. And that's all I've got. So I guess we'll catch you all next time. Oh, actually, have you booked your accommodation yet for your trip coming up? Have, have you tried Trivago? No, goodbye. <laughs>